Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show and an episode from The Vaults. That's right, with nearly 500 episodes, can you actually even believe it? Under our belts, I thought we could revisit some of the conversations from the archive that really resonated with you, but that also cover topics that are central to this podcast. A hunger for knowledge, looking for the positive, overcoming obstacles and striving to be the best version of ourselves. If you're a long-time listener of this podcast, you may remember when this episode was first published. You may have even listened first time around, but I'm aware that new people find the show all the time, and with hundreds of episodes in the back catalogue, it can be quite the task to catch up. So for this series, I'm bumping these conversations to the top of the feed. In this episode, I'm joined by Alice Living, and we originally recorded this episode in July 2019, so really at 18 months old, it's not really that old. But I had wanted to speak to Alice for a long time because I'd been following her on social media for a little while and I really enjoyed her content. And then I met her when we went to a spin class with some friends at um, SoulCycle ages ago. And I just thought I have to get her on the show and have a conversation with her because she's just such a mine of positivity and really good information about lots of things, but especially fitness. She's a really clever and authentic content creator and I've always seen her as a source of reliable and expert fitness advice. She's qualified, she knows what she's talking about and her feed is packed full of workouts and she really shares positive messaging and about physical and mental strength. So it's not just focusing on cut abs or defined muscles and gain or being smaller or any of those things in inverted commas. It's, it's less about the aesthetics and more about the empowerment and that's what really comes through in Alice's content. And the reason I wanted to revisit this conversation in particular in this series is because A, I liked Alice very much when we sat and had this conversation and that's really stayed with me. And B, I have used her workouts pretty much exclusively in 2020. Pretty much from January to the end of October, I was using only her fitness, only her fitness advice and only her workouts. And they have changed my body completely completely I have gained strength and have felt so good for letting her be my trainer and it's all been via her Instagram feed and it's all been for free all of her content is just available on her feed no barrier to entry which is just so wonderful and generous and I think she shares some of the healthiest fitness messaging out there and she's a delight to follow and genuinely I think her workout content is the best you can find on Instagram and additionally in lockdown she's done so much to give more to to everyone who follows her she's done live workouts she's done live challenges 28 day programs all available on her feed and all to meet the needs of those people who maybe suddenly haven't been able to go and work out in a gym or can't access their usual fitness classes or programs for whatever the reason may be she's incredibly thoughtful mindful of what she says and does and i can say based on my own experience that she really is the real deal 
In this conversation, we discuss her journey to become a personal trainer, which happened via musical theatre. Well, kind of. You'll, you'll hear the journey when you tune into the show. Growing and evolving in the public eye. The power in being vulnerable. Struggles with anxiety. Why skinny isn't better. Why everyone's weight is biologically different. And so we have to treat ourselves and our bodies as unique, wonderful things and not try to fit into someone else's template of what it should be. And getting to know yourself and being comfortable in your own skin. It was such a wide ranging conversation. I remember actually coming away from this chat. It was a blisteringly hot summer day, by the way. Um, So I remember it vividly for some reason. And she was so, I remember thinking, God, we really covered so much ground. And she's so open and so willing to explore and just be vulnerable, which I thought was really lovely. So everything we discuss will be in the show notes. But for now, I'm very happy to welcome back in this series, Alice Living onto The Emma Gunn Show. Well, this is magnificent because normally when I am looking at Alice Living, it is because I am following a Cossack squat. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Where I have saved your amazing workouts from Instagram. It really is genuinely um, such a bloody brilliant resource. Thank you. I hope so. I think that's one of the things that, like, I I hope people learn stuff from what I do. Mm. Because I think there's lots of people that are doing, you know, booty workouts on Instagram and stuff. And that's fine. And I think there's definitely a place for it. But I'd love someone to come to my page and say, oh, I really learned how to do that properly. Mm. Or you really showed me how to do that exercise right because I wasn't necessarily doing it right before or... I didn't, I didn't know that exercise and I've now learned to how, how and why to incorporate that into my routine. Like, I think that's, that's sometimes what keeps me going is I love, I love to learn myself. That's what's kept me going as a trainer. And then to be able to impart that knowledge on other people is, is what, yeah, what I love doing. So it's good to know that it's going somewhere. <laughs> so you are what I would call a slashy. So you are a PT. Mm-hmm. You would also be called a social media do you like influencer? influencer? I can tell you don't want to say the word. It's fine. I yeah. I think we all influence people, but yeah, I guess I just do it on a slightly larger scale than most. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you work. So, what are your other things that you do? Because it's not just a well. In my life, I have been in theatre. So I started out as a performer. I trained as a dancer and and musical theatre performer, and I went can into. So see this. <laughs> I'm surprised I've not done my jazz hands yet. Went into um, the UK tour of Annie. So I did that for a year. And then I am an author because then straight after that, I wrote my first book and then went on to write two more. And then now I do all sorts. So I write for magazines and I do some like corporate work. And I do, obviously, you said my PT stuff. And I... um, just try and stay afloat above it all really just while silently like paddling madly underneath the water (laughs) well this is interesting this is what I find really interesting what I try to tap into with my guests because we've talked you're 26 years old Mm. you've got this incredible social media presence you do have influence you do work with brands Mm. and I guess when you were at university or when you were planning a career Mm. I would be surprised if this was what you had envisioned only because not all of it was available. Mm. Yeah, and I, when I was at university, I was basically setting myself up for a life of, I'm probably going to be a slashy, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. I would probably be working 
a waitressing job and also be like doing something else on the side and then probably also performing for gigs and whatever and then maybe getting the odd tour or west end or you know show that was like that was what i thought i would be doing and earning probably very very minimal money but <laughs> loving my job and that was always like the thing that kept you going every rehearsal where you were kept until like 10 o'clock at night every time you were sore every time you got shouted at by your ballet teacher because you were shit <laughs> <laughs> then I just kept being like no but it's fine because I love what I do and that's why I'm so grateful is that even though everything started taking off for me online while I was still at college um I got the opportunity to live my dream for a year and mm. do the tour and perform every night to thousands of people and feel that feeling because I think I'd have and I said this to my friend the other day I would have been really gutted if I'd never have got to do that whereas I did it mm-hmm. I lived and breathed it and I loved it but then I realized that actually like this whole world was opening up for me and it probably wasn't going to come around again and so I wanted to having done that opportunity of doing the tour try and see what that world was like explore see like you know, I, I'd never PT'd anyone before till mm. I finished the tour. So I wanted to see what that was like. Did I enjoy it? Um, I'd been qualified for a while, but I'd never actually worked on a gym floor. And I thought that was really important. And yeah, so then I started exploring this other job slash world and found that I got the same buzz from doing all of these things, but a different buzz. So it's still it's still exhilarating. It still gives me that kind of adrenaline kick in some some way. It's just different to standing on the stage and hearing the applause of like thousands of people but yeah it's still it's still a great buzz so the germ of the career that you have now was when you were at college and it was when you started was it when you started the instagram yeah. feed yeah yeah back then was clean eating alex mm-hmm. because you had decided to uh make a change to your diet yeah um and at the time that great umbrella term clean eating which obviously has been ripped to shreds now but at the time was completely appropriate mm. um because you thought, right, I'm going to put together meals that make me feel good. Mm-hmm. So, what were you doing at college? What were you? What were your? Um, what was your course? So, I was doing musical theatre. Mm-hmm. I trained at a place called Bird College, which is quite a renowned um, musical theatre college. And I had, uh, well, a funny entry into Bird College. So, I decided very late on that that was what I definitely wanted to do. I was, I'm, I've been insecure my entire life to the point that. I always had to have a backup plan because I'm never quite sure I'm going to be able to achieve something. I was never that person that was like, I'll 100% get a place in this college. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do anything else. I was like, oh, I'll try, but I'll also apply to universities because I might not get in and mm-hmm. I'll, you know, have a backup plan. So I also applied to universities and started auditioning and found the whole process like really tough. Um, but had a really, really good audition at Bird and it felt like it was the right place for me. Just like, you know, when the stars align, like everything Mm. sort of came together on that day. And, um, I ended up getting offered the uh, three-year degree course there. So off I went and I had the most hideous first year at college. I mean, it was so awful that I just was like, what am I doing here? I am awful. Everyone is so talented Mm. around me. And it was hard because I think you're thrown together with this mix of people. Everyone's got such huge personalities because you're all very like showbiz (laughs) and everyone's trying to get themselves heard and seen and everyone's very, very talented as well. And instead of being that person that, and like I said, you know, I am 
of an insecure nature, I think, and I always have been, instead of being the person that was like, these people are all talented, but so am I, mm. I was, these people are all talented, how, what what am I doing here? I don't belong here. I don't belong here. So I would hide at the back and I would, uh, I mean, the amount of times I burst into tears and left lessons, I rang my mum crying, like, I think in my first term was like, I'm coming home, I'm done. And my ballet master, Mr. Wilson, who I now adore and have a lot of respect for, but at the time um, was just terrified. Like, I cannot explain to you how terrified I was of him. I mean, I would literally like pee myself a little bit every time I went into his <laughs> lesson. Um and he made me cry, like, in my... I think it was my first lessons with him. And just I was, like, sobbing at the back of the class because he was so awful to me. And they they almost do it as a way to, like, they break you down and then they build you back up again. But I didn't quite realise that at the time. So that whole experience was pretty horrific. But then as I went into my second year, I'd started to, like, solidify my friendships. I felt very much more comfortable in, like, who I was with as friends and like my the environment and all that kind of stuff and there was one teacher who just I think saw something in me whatever and I ended up getting um the lead role in our second year musical which was Legally Blonde I was amazing Elwoods which was obviously a dream come true and it was just it's it just shows you sometimes how like just someone believing in you and saying that you can do something can be all it needs for you to be like oh my god I can do this mm. and that was basically the catalyst to me then having the most amazing rest of my time at college suddenly I just felt like okay I might not be amazing at lots of things tap I'm terrible at ballet was never my strong point but you know I get through and I always give it a hundred percent and I will always show up a hundred percent and I think that's what I knew was my strength and the interesting thing with clean eating Alice was that really started around that time was that I just decided that I was never going to be the skinniest or the tallest or the most beautiful or whatever. And by the way, you're judged very much on your appearance at theatre school. So those were all the things that I was thinking. Obviously, now I know that that's not the case, but that was what I was thinking at the time. But I decided that I was going to be the strongest and I just wanted to be really strong and I wanted to be able to, you know, be fit enough to last through an entire audition and not be exhausted mm. and be strong enough that my body wouldn't get injured. And so I started with firstly the food but then also the exercise as well and just um developing this this kind of page where I was posting what I was eating and um I look back now and it just seems so so silly but it was really like a, a diary for me and it was quite cathartic in a way um and it really did help me just build that confidence of I am good enough mm. and I'd never felt that before so it was that kind of that point where I was like right this is it. And so, it, it, yeah, and it basically changed my life. So I can't really knock it too much. But um, it's funny how you mentioned the Clean Eating Alice thing and it just seems so crazy that I was swept up into all of that because I literally chose that name on a whim. I was, it was like a completely private page and I was like what can I call it? What can I call it? And I was like, oh, I've I'd heard the term like banded around, had no idea what it meant. And I was like, oh, that sounds quite good. That sounds like what I'm trying to do. I'm just going to eat a little bit healthier and make nice meals that look, look good and taste good and whatever. So I just call it that. And then, yeah, fast forward a year and it was like, it's awful. What is everyone? And I get it. And I totally agree that we shouldn't be, you know, I think it's a terrible term. Mm -hmm. And I realize now the impact of words and how that really did have a very, mm -hmm. very um, damaging effect on a lot of people. And I totally get that. But 
it's funny, like at the time I was just like, oh yeah, it's like when, you change, when you choose your first email address, I'm just going to call myself <laughs> cleaning hours. But yeah, anyway, thankfully my, my management at the time was just like, this is crazy. Like you are, you are your own brand anyway. Mm. You just need to change it to your name. And I completely agreed with them and was so for doing that. So um, yeah, the rest Lo- is history. Loads of people I know who started... He went from print media, for example, mm. into trying to do something digital, whether that was video or audio, what have you, mm. came up with a name. I think because we'd all worked for magazines or brands and each and every single one of us within 18 months like changed, changed, it. changed it back to our name. It's crazy, isn't it? But I think when you first do something, well, you, you almost hide behind it a little bit. Mm. So it's like, oh, it's not me. Um, and there's something in as well. You start off by wanting to make it for like just just objectifying the content mm. and then it, obviously as you start to gain popularity or whatever people are much more interested in not just your content but you as well mm. so then it made more sense because I was happy to share mm. and divulge information about myself which some people aren't but I was that you would then make it your mm. name because it makes more sense how that's a really good way to sort of go into the boundaries conversation yes <laughs> because social media to all intents and purposes, what you see is your life. But mm. we all know it gets edited. Mm. We know about face tuning apps and whatnot. <laughs> and whether it's face tune or whether it's just withholding the bad stuff, mm. it's it's not reality. Mm. It's not social reality. It's social media. Mm. Yeah. Um, and you got into it early. You mm. shared something which is actually really personal, the food mm. that you're eating. Mm-hmm. People can have an opinion about that. They mm-hmm. can also have an opinion about what you look like. Mm. Uh, has it been a turbulent road do you feel like you you've got sort of a handle on it now um I think I still I think we all struggle with boundaries sometimes Mm. because it depends where you are in your life you know there's times where I'm totally happy to talk about stuff and there'll be times where my guard will come up because I'm not I'm going through something or I'm struggling Mm. with something and I'm like I'm just not ready to talk about that yet so I think my boundaries are never linear they're always changing um I think early on I very much relied on the validation from mm. my followers and I think that's something that's diff that's that's changed sorry as I've got older is that for, but if I go back to like four years ago I would have a good day if I posted well and I would find it difficult mm. to deal if I, if it hadn't mm-hmm. and that you know that still happens to a certain extent mm. because it's my job and it's my job for my content to get good engagement and stuff but it's in a different way and I would I would post pictures of myself because I just needed to be told that I look great. Mm. And I would really, do you know what I mean? And Mm. I think, you know, I probably, to a certain extent, if I'm being totally honest, still do that now sometimes. Mm. If I take a great picture of myself, I want to share it. And I'm like, I'm happy when people tell me I look great, but I'm honest about saying that. (laughs) I don't just do it because I'm like, I just, yeah, I'm just so happy in myself. Like, don't get me wrong, everyone everyone loves a compliment um but I don't seek it out as much anymore I don't think you know I I feel like I've got more of a voice and I bring more to the table than just being like look at what I look like and I think yeah actually there's one thing that I definitely have done bar the odd bikini shot when I'm away on holiday I used to post almost weekly photos of my body like really quite regularly and it would always be to the remark of oh my god 
look at your abs, look at this, look at that, look how amazing your body is. And that was really like polishing my halo for me. That was mm. like, oh my God, yes, I'm doing everything right. And it almost further entrenched a lot of the like, uh, probably very disordered behaviors that I was engaging in mm. to keep at that weight. Mm-hmm. And now I, I can't remember the last time I really wanted to like stand in front of the mirror and be like look at my body it's just not something that I feel like I need to do I don't need to be validated by other people Mm -hmm. online to tell me that my body is great or not great um I I have had to do a lot of work internally Mm -hmm. to get to the point that I'm like I'm not as lean as I used to be but I'm happy and I'm comfortable and I don't need to share my body to get the Mm. get to to make to feel better about myself and I think that is definitely something that I've noticed that I've has changed sorry since I started um and I think I don't even know when that was but I feel like I there was just at one point where I think I must have posted something and just been like why am I doing this like who's this for and who's it helping more importantly because I know that seeing other people's bodies doesn't necessarily do great things for my mental health in the amount of times that I've gone onto social media and I've seen someone looking fucking amazing in a bikini and I'm just like I don't look like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm very short and I've got short stumpy legs and I'm just never going to be like long and lean and on, on the beach lying down with like six foot legs. I find Olivia Culpo very triggering. Oh, it's so triggering. So I'm like, why am I doing that to other people? You know, mm. if I feel like that when I look at her, what's me doing that, mm. doing to other people? Because surely that would be, have the same effect. So yeah, I just stopped. And I didn't really miss it at all. And you know, like I said, I will still post the odd selfie where I think, damn, I look great. But mm. I think that's just human nature. But I also think you editorialise your content. It's never yeah. just a, um, you know, f- follow for likes or whatever. The, oh, the no, no, yeah, exactly. And and hopefully they're always quite tasteful, you know. I don't think do anything, you know, there's no booby mm. shots or anything like that. <laughs> um, let's, can we unpick the uh, thing you said a couple of minutes ago, I have to, I had to do a lot of work internally. Yes. To be comfortable. And you talked about being leaner before mm. and your body's changed. Mm. Um, I'm sitting with you now. I think you look great. <laughs> but that's the thing, like, now I'm a, a healthy, I'm not saying I'm anything not healthy like Mm. I'm I'm at a weight that I'm very that my body is comfortable at and that's the most important thing um but that's interesting because I think that a lot of women focus on I do it too I know I can remember a time when I would get on the scale and be lighter than I am mm. now and so every day when I wake up and I'm not that weight, I think Mm. that I'm living a bad life Mm. I think we we have such a complicated Mm. relationship with our bodies I, I I see women all the time as clients I can't tell you the last time I had someone who didn't have a complicated relationship with food mm. or their body. It is so common. And it's sad because it, there's so much to unpick with that. Mm. There's so many reasons why. You know, one of my favorite people to follow online actually is a girl called Tally Rye. And she is one of my best friends. So I'm not just saying that because I love her, but she. She's been on a very, very similar journey to myself, except she's got to the point where she is, she knows so much more and she's done a lot of research into things like health at every, the health at every size movement, Mm. the anti-diet culture movement, the intuitive eating movement and all of these things. I've sort of seen her life completely changed by getting into the, not I say getting into it, like it's a trend. It's not, it's, it's, it's just opening your eyes to the fact that there is a whole 
world out there of information that's that's saying one diets don't work Mm. two we are conditioned to believe that we constantly need to be losing weight and that we need to be bettering ourselves that all of us can maintain a lean weight healthily absolutely not you know there are so many physiological implications of maintaining a very lean physique that I don't think many people talk about um and I just think I was never it's funny because when you're in something it's very difficult to see that you're Mm. doing anything other than like good stuff especially when it's being validated on social media Mm. 24 7 so for me I never really realized there was a problem and I wouldn't necessarily a problem but just I was thinking that everything I was doing was healthy I think that's the Mm. important thing was that in my head the way that like the, the environment that I was bred kind of in in terms of everyone that was doing similar things to me so maybe three or four years ago, we were all eating weird protein bars and putting courgette in our um, porridge and doing, like, just the most nuts, bizarre, weird things. (laughs) Yeah. And it was almost this... We were breeding this culture of, like, completely bizarre disordered eating patterns Mm. for not only ourselves, but everyone that was following us. And, And, you know, I still... It's difficult. I still live with the guilt of that because I feel like I influence a lot of people in that sense. But then I think I was only a product of the environment that I was in mm. too. So I don't know. I don't. I try and unburden myself of that as much as I can because I know that it wasn't necessarily my fault. But um, it was just the weird world that we were in. And thank God that I kind of saw the light and realised that actually, like, there was a whole life to be lived mm. that didn't involve me maintaining a size six figure and. Um, since I guess going on that journey, a lot of it had to had to come from inside of myself. Mm. It had to come from acceptance and um, realizing that um, life isn't necessarily better being skinnier. Mm. Like I, in my head, because I'd been on this whole journey of body transformation or whatever. Um, there's a lot of things that happen. Like it's almost that like. Uh, I think it's called like you're kind of like um adrenaline kick of um when you when you when your clothes are like when you can order a size six and it's Mm -hmm. like oh my god I'm ordering the smallest size and Mm -hmm. uh and having to go through the the reverse of that as well of being like okay things don't fit anymore Mm -hmm. you know I have to buy all new sports bras because my boobs are like three times bigger and I can't fit into my leggings anymore and I've got loads of really nice dresses that I bought that just don't fit and like that mentally has been something that I had to really work through because I was just like this is a good thing and telling Mm -hmm. myself that actually this was a good thing that this was happening um and so, yeah, I think it's, it's, it, it had to start from inside mm. and starting from inside then had, thankfully had the kind of, I kind of positive impact of then getting me to a point where my body was just comfortable Yeah, that like I exercise in a very normal way now and whatever normal is, but I exercise in a very normal way for myself. I eat a very balanced diet and just have a bit of a life. Yeah, that's the vibe that I get from your feed, honestly, is that when I think about exercise, there will always be, I would say, an element of panic mm. in my approach because I guess, and I, I'm presuming some other women who, listen, who are listening to this might feel like this, is because I want a result from it. Mm-hmm. And straight away. From that session. Within like two weeks, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of kind of 
emotions that are up here and not particularly grounded and when I consume your media what I feel is it's slow it's steady Mm. it's measured it's calm Mm. they're all the sort of weighted grounded Mm. emotions Mm. that and it's more consistency and kind of just enjoy it Mm. as opposed to do it as quickly as possible Mm. and as hard as possible yeah so I think there's a couple of things you said there first one is uh, I I can't remember the last time that someone came to me and said they didn't want to use exercise to lose weight and I think that makes me really sad because I think we don't appreciate the other hugely positive benefits that exercise Mm. brings to our body that don't involve losing weight. The majority of people probably don't even need to lose weight through exercise. They just need to do it because, you know, first of all, it's great for your mental health, things like bone health, Mm. um, getting outside in nature is another great thing. Um, There are so many, for me as well, like the socialization, Mm. like the social element of working out with other people. Um, There's so many other great things that exercise brings to the table but we always come to it last minute when we've probably got like something coming up and we're like mm. oh I'm gonna exercise and I'm gonna go hard as nails and go every to the gym every day for six mm. weeks and um go away and then fall out of love with it and never come and, and you know then mm. have a massive mm. break rather than I'm gonna exercise moderately for the next 50 years of my life I'm going to do exercise that I enjoy I'm going to make sure that I don't think of it as exercise mm. I think there's a lot of our or a lot of our psyche is very much geared up to exercise being you have to be dripping with sweat you have to be in a gym or you have to be like throwing some weights around or doing mm. something like, or like running or whatever exercise looks so different to everyone mm. it doesn't matter how you move your body whether that be yoga pilates running walking climbing swimming um I don't crawling I don't care I don't care what you do it's anything that sort of elevates your heart rate challenges your uh, muscular muscular system um that puts the body under some sort of resistance Mm. so body weight work or with weights um it can look so different and so yeah like I said I'm going to move my body moderately Mm. in a way I enjoy for the next 50 to however many more years and I'm going to be able to be consistent with it because I'm not seeing it as a chore and I'm not Mm. seeing it as something that I'm doing in the short term for quick gain. It's something that I'm doing for my long-term health. So that means that you, you almost lose that pressure of having a time restraint Mm. and wanting to achieve something like now. Mm -hmm. Um, So therefore, because what I find is the majority of people will literally like go hell for leather and then stop when they've, achieved Mm -hmm. whatever they want or when they get to the holiday or whatever that they wanted to exercise for and then they find it very very difficult to get back into it because they don't have that kind of like burning motivation Mm. um so that's why i tend to avoid massive goals like that i mean get me wrong like if you came to me and said i'm getting married Mm. i'd be like okay cool like we can we can do we can work with that and like there are certain things that i know that people want to work towards and that's totally fine um but the majority of the time i think I would far rather send someone away and say, find a way of moving that you enjoy. Like, if it's weight training with me, great. But if it's not, don't worry. Like, please don't beat yourself up about it. Just do something that you like and make sure that you're semi-consistent with it. So maybe two, three, four times a week. Um, And yeah, just reap the rewards. Mm. Like, try not to put pressure on yourself to, um, I guess, do too much too soon. Um... And take your advice from people that are giving good stuff because I think there's a lot of rubbish out there as well. 
And you said something a little bit earlier about uh, losing weight and actually maintaining a weight can be, mm. a lean weight can be quite unhealthy. Mm. What, uh, when you work with uh, men and women, I mm. guess, and they come to you and they might say, I really need to lose weight. Mm. What if somebody has a, has a particular kind of like base weight mm. that maybe is a weight that, where they are carrying what, and I'm using air quotes here, listeners, some people might perceive as being a few extra pounds. Mm. Like, is is that a real thing too? Does everybody have like a base? Yeah, so everyone has like a set point where their body is probably happiest and that looks different on everyone. Mm. So mine is naturally higher than I was letting it be. Right. So um, that puts the body under a lot of stress um, and therefore means that a lot of things like your menstrual cycle, your hormonal function, um, your mood, all those kind of things are impacted. And it's a cascade of issues that can occur as a result of, um, I guess, doing that. And that's not to say that everyone that is super, super lean has those issues. Mm. This is the thing, because some people are naturally lean Mm. um, and will have a naturally lean physique. You know, look at like... I'm not saying all, but some runway models Mm. and people that are, you know, super tall or have like, if you look at people's parents, for example, and they're both very wiry, there's every likelihood that you're Mm. probably just going to be naturally wiry. Um, I think it's really interesting and I'm very interested in the genetic side of things. There's a book by Giles Yeo called Gene Eating. Mm. So that's looking into like our genetics and um, the impact that has on our... um, uh, weight um and I think that's that's a very interesting area and not something that I know a huge amount about mm-hmm. so I don't want to sit here being like I'm an authority in this uh, in this area um but I definitely think that we as women see only one body as successful mm-hmm. and that is the skinniest leanest we've ever been mm-hmm. and um also always generally younger as well mm-hmm. and it's funny because I don't necessarily see that in the same way with men. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but I think we we only accept one, one body type mm. rather than being like... And actually, there's one thing that I've seen a positive change on and it is that we are starting to see more inclusivity and diversity in a lot of the media, mm. just on social media and in the media um so I'm not saying like right now we're only seeing one body type but I still think for the majority we only see one body type and there is a lot of work to be done to realize Mm -hmm. that celebrating different body types all different body types and all different types of shape size whatever um is so key to people just learning to accept where they are because if you never see someone that looks like you and these figures that are super, super skinny are held on the pedestal as, like, the ideal. Of course you're going to want to aim for that. That's mm. only natural. Um, but by celebrating all, all different body types, it's like... Even I look at, you know, magazine stuff, and I just think, I'm, I'm never going to look like that. Like, I, I, I want to see someone that's, like, a real body mm. that I know that... The, for example, ASOS, like, some of the stuff they're doing now where they're showing it in all different body types. Yeah. That, for me, is like, oh, thank God. Now I can kind of actually see what it's going to look mm. like on me rather than that's what it looks like on the model, but it will definitely not look like that on me. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I remember working out with a personal trainer about, God, 
12 years ago now. And she was a personal trainer that I had been introduced to by a PR, very um, successful PR um, who worked in media. And then I think I introduced her to another journalist. Mm. And after about six months, I stopped working with her. It just cost wise, it was just prohibitive. And she said, can I just say one thing about you? And she mentioned the other women. And she said, of all the women I've ever trained in my life, you three talk about your bodies in the most hideous way. I Mm. find very uncomfortable to hear in those sessions. Mm. And she said, I can't help but wonder whether it's because you work in the media, because I don't have it with my other female clients. Mm. And I wonder if... And that always stuck in my mind. Mm. And then I think with the rise of social media, I wonder whether that vocabulary and that sense of Mm. comparison, I guess, Mm. has filtered out to more people. Mm. I think absolutely comparison has got a lot to to um, answer for in terms of how social media opens our eyes to I guess these perfect bodies even more so than we've ever had before so before you were just looking at magazine now it's like on our tv on mm. our on our uh, screens um in our magazines everywhere and it, yeah I guess that that infiltration of perfection mm. um in everything we consume is is causing is causing a lot of problems. It makes me so deeply sad. If I'm totally honest, when I think about it, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about even bringing up like kids with social media these days. Like it scares me the impact that it will have on them mentally. Like when you look at some of the stuff that's coming out now, saying how like depressed and how many mental health issues there are in our teenage kids, it's just crazy and I don't think social media is entirely to blame I think there's a lot of things but I haven't mm, but I do think it has a big part to play in that Mm. and it does it is frightening because I know I know how it makes me feel and I think I'm a strong you know strong-minded stable person um so yeah I would wonder whether you had seen the matrix because you are somebody who's been on it for a long time since kind of the door mm. and you kind of understand the mechanics of how mm. it works more than more than most mm. so I would wonder that so the fact that you say that even you can succumb to the mm. comparison oh yeah issue. All, all the time though all the time um I find it yeah I find it a very hard world to work in and like we were saying before we started recording mm. like I just don't really scroll as much as I used to. I just try and keep it as... I go on there to do my work, I mm. post, I, I engage with the people that follow me because yeah. I think that's necessary and I enjoy doing that. But I don't do mindless scrolling as much as I used to. If I, I catch myself doing it sometimes mm. and I think, I know what you're doing here, Emma, you're <laughs> looking for a dopamine high. Do you know what I really like, though, is I like Twitter because there's no imagery mainly oh interesting so I love hearing and that's why I still love Instagram because I love captions I love reading people's opinions and thoughts and I love like I love the nature of Twitter in that like it's very quick and snappy Mm -hmm. um don't get me wrong it has like very bitchy elements and there are there's a lot of infighting but for the most part I just really I much prefer going on there because there's there's the lack of that photo kind of oh, look how amazing they look, look what mm. they're doing. Do you know what I mean? You just sort of read people's thoughts and feelings and I and I quite like that. I've definitely noticed recently, if I want to know what's happening in the news, I don't go to any news sources. Go I go to Twitter and I yeah. go to what's trending. Yeah. That, and that That's a shift, a behavioural shift that worries me a little bit because I think, oh, that's quite a big one. <laughs> I don't look to the news. I mm. look to 
an eyewitness who snapped something he's then uploaded onto Twitter. See, so I will look to the news, but then I like to see what everyone's saying about it on Twitter. <laughs> That's very true. I'm like, oh, let me form my opinion by what everyone else is saying. <laughs> I do. I did hit a low a few months ago when I was watching TOWIE, the only way is Essex for international listeners. And I realised I was what I was then, I had the TOWIE trending thing, just kept refreshing it to see oh my whether God. they thought what I did about I mean, I'm not going to lie. Triangle. I'm not going to lie and say I haven't done that with Love Island, but <laughs> we, we shall not talk about that because that'll be a whole can of worms that we're opening there um but one other thing that i do think is interesting and is bucking the trend is therefore podcasts Mm -hmm. because suddenly we have this audio uh content that has nothing to do with the way you look or Mm -hmm. what you're achieving or whatever it's just people enjoy listening to conversations some of them are the most mundane you'll ever hear but people enjoy them i don't know if you no (laughs) one of my favorite podcasts I cannot believe how good, how much I love it, is Fortunately with Fee and Jane. Oh. Oh, my God. If you haven't listened to it, I could spend hours and days just listening to those two What's women natter away. So they're both, they're both journalists. They both, I think they both work at the BBC. Uh, one of them's um, Fee Glover. Mm-hmm. and Jane... Oh, God, can I get it up? Can I have mm-hmm. a look on my phone? Because I was literally listening to it this morning. Um, oh god, I'm on low power. Okay, it's with Emily oh no, now I've started playing it. Oh god, I'm so fa- oh, it doesn't say their last names. Basically, it's called Fortunately with Fee and Jane, and it's produced by Radio 4. I'll find it, I'll find it. The link will be in the show notes, listeners. But they basically just natter and they have a guest each week. But like the one that I listened to this morning was um, Emily Maitless, and instead of talking to her about like you know, her job and her normal kind of like presenting role on the BBC, they just natter about the most random of things, like <laughs> her curly hair. And they're like, why don't you, why don't you wear curly hair on the, but uh, yeah, I just absolutely love it. And for me, um, my days are so spent, like trying to consume lots of things and learn and focus that like, I love nothing more than getting lost in like mindless chatter a conversation that you don't need to be a part of yeah but you're actively involved in exactly that What's and it called? in anthropology um something participant it'll come to me oh i love that hang on it'll come to me <laughs> at some point. but anyway yeah so that's that's one of my favorites and for me like if i my happy place would be listening to them whilst cooking a nice little dinner and pottering around my kitchen and just being able to let my brain rest Mm. because not only is my body moving for the majority of the day because I'm running between meetings and doing whatever but my mind goes at a million miles an hour Mm. and properly as you can tell because I talk so much (laughs) but my mind is constantly whirring so to quiet the noise I don't do well in silence because there's still so much noise going on in my head it's like a concert the O2 up there so for me, I have to have something that I'm able to tune into, mm. but to tune out of everything else. And so, like, those kind of podcasts or doing a, a very simple task like cooking mm. is the most meditative, meditative thing I can do. I think what's very, very... For me, and I wonder if you're the same, is I actually have a quite a good measure on my mental health, how I'm doing, mm. based on what I'm listening to. Mm. If I'm feeling really good, mm. I actually don't need anything Mm -hmm. if I'm feeling a little bit anxious I will Mm -hmm. have an audiobook on the whole time and if I'm feeling really like off kilter I Mm. will listen to music 
Mm. But now it's really good because I can go, okay, so I need to address that. Yeah. I need to like maybe meditate or yeah. go, go for a run or mm. do something. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't know whether I necessarily have that. I find it very difficult to check my mental health when I'm in a, in a period of anxiety. I'm better at coming out the back of it and then being like, oh my God, that was awful. Right. Um, and I definitely have struggled with my mental health for various reasons over the last few years. Um, as the worst part was I used to suffer with terrible panic attacks. I don't get those anymore, thank God, because oh, they were horrendous. Horrible. But then it was just everyday anxiety about the most ridiculous of things that I would develop these kind of like scenarios in my head of like things that would happen and it was just so crazy but I would almost work myself up into such a state over these silly things um but then also like I'm sure like I said I was back about my mind constantly talking that constant internal dialogue of like mm. this isn't going right you're not doing this what's this like why haven't you finished that? Why aren't you being productive? Like, mm. why are you sitting there scrolling on your phone when you should be working? Um, why haven't you done 10,000 steps today? Why <laughs> haven't you done this? Do you know what I mean? All that, for me, is, like, what I have to really try and tune out because it can really get the better of me and make me feel... Go from feeling a million dollars to, mm. like, really, really terrible. And I always say that the reason why I know that mental health just doesn't care who you are or what you are, it can affect anyone, is that the majority of the time when I've been doing really well in my career and my relationship's great and everyone around me is happy, I can feel at my worst. Mm. I can feel so low and so alone, which is weird because, you know, I have a wonderful boyfriend, great family, great friends, but I can feel like I am the only person in my world and I'm mm. so alone and I'm drowning. Um, so I think, yeah, I find it very hard to, when I'm in that state, to be like, oh my God, something's wrong. It's only when I sort of come out the back mm -hmm. of it or I I speak to someone about it because that's something that I've got better at doing is saying when I'm so struggling um, that I'm able to then look back and be like, oh God, that was, that was really hard. Um, but yeah, thankfully it's not as bad as it was. Are you somebody who gives off a... Uh, the appearance of being together mm. so that when you are in those moments of struggle perhaps the people closest to you don't actually know to put their hand on yes. your shoulder yes I'm the world's greatest actress <laughs> I trained in this I'm sorry I forgot darling <laughs> this is my day job yeah no I am terrible at doing that like the and that's that's the sad thing is is that like unfortunately I am a great faker mm. fake it till you make it mm -hmm. and so I'm very good at putting on a happy face I'm very good at smiling and I'm very good at holding it together and then I'll come home from an event and I'll or whatever and I'll just burst into tears and I'll cry on my own <laughs> which yeah. it sounds awful and I, I laugh it's only because when I say it it sounds so ridiculous like why would I why would I feel that or why would I come home and cry on my own and not ring someone mm. but I for some reason my brain and my body just stop me and I'm almost like paralyzed into this state of anxiety until finally I may, I calm down and I'm like okay I think I need to talk to someone mm. and thankfully as well and I think living with Paddy has been the best thing to happen to me because before I lived on my own and I thought it was gonna be the most wonderful thing ever and I was like I'm gonna own this I'm gonna live on my own I'm gonna be so Carrie Bradshaw and like have my own flat and <laughs> organize my wardrobe and just live in like cleanliness that is only my Never mess use the oven. <laughs> I know um 
But then I just found that every day I'd come home and I'd just sit in my flat and I'd be like, I had a really shit day today, but I've got no one to tell them, like, to talk to about it, Mm. you know? I don't really like ringing people and saying stuff. I feel like I'm such a... I have to be with someone to tell Mm. them. And so I internalised all of this stuff for a year. And it was only when I moved in with Paddy and we started to come home and he'd be like, how was your day? And I started to say, oh, well, today, you know, it was actually really bad because this happened or this happened at this event and I'm not sure how I feel about it. This person said this to me or, you know, whatever it could Mm. be. And suddenly I was like, oh, I feel a bit lighter. I'm offloading, yeah. yeah. And this is what relationships are about you know communicating and saying how you feel and um so that massively changed uh my uh, I guess um the way that I was and how I felt and going to bed feeling lighter each night because Mm. I just shared I think that was really really key uh massively projecting onto you here but is the the not telling people Mm. before you moved in with Paddy is that about not wanting to seem emotionally vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I still was very much under the belief that that emotional vulnerability was a sign of weakness. Mm. Because, and and I guess it came from many things, but my mum is a very emotional person. She's always shown her emotions. And so I was always brought up with that being totally fine. But it is drilled out of you at college. Is it? When I went to this, yeah. Like... I remember crying in my that ballet class and there was no one that was sympathetic for me, I tell you now. Like, he was like, stop crying or get out of my lesson and just get on with it. And you have to develop a really thick skin mm. because you're also dealing with rejection on a daily basis. You're going, like, my best friends are still in the industry. They are going and slogging their ass off every single day in auditions, day in, day out, and getting no's. Like, that's that's difficult to deal with. Mm. That's hard on your mental health. So you have to develop this really thick skin. And for me, that was just developing this layer of, like, I'm fine, everything's great, I'm doing amazing, and I'm just going to pretend because that's the easiest thing for me to do right now because acting is all I know. <laughs> but I feel that that, that kind of pushing it down mm. will always erupt. Of course. Always. Mm. And actually, that's sometimes when it will happen when you least expect it and then mm. you will go oh my god I didn't realize I was mm. struggling because mm. your your reflex and your normal is mm. to just suppress 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 mm. yeah I think you're absolutely right and I think as well it's about that control so for me I I didn't realize that you know emotional vulnerability doesn't necessarily and and all these kind of issues don't have to necessarily be about you sobbing on your sofa every night mm. mine was about I don't want to feel these emotions, so I'm going to try and control everything in my life by controlling what I'm eating, controlling my exercise, controlling, you know, all those other things, um, because that's the only way that I feel like I've got my shit together. Mm. And that that lasted for so long, but it didn't last forever. And it very much wears out when you can't really control those things mm. anymore because they're actually spiralling out of control. Mm. And I got to the point where I was like, oh my God, like, what am I doing? And so, yeah, I guess when you do then deal with the eruption as such uh, so much more comes out than you realize because mm. you've just like buried your head and buried your head and um yeah it's it's eye-opening um to realize how much um was really going on that you almost didn't actually realize mm. um so yeah that was that was a big big thing for me I've spoken to quite a few friends actually recently not on the podcast but we are all running our own businesses mm. and we've all been in this position of 
um, clenching is the best word I can use to describe it. Yeah. Where you're clenching to like, I'm clenching to manage the finances. I'm mm. clenching to do my content. I'm clenching to get my work done. I'm clenching to do the shopping and like keep my house in order. Mm. And everything is very tight and <coughs> clenched and tightly wound. Sorry. <coughs> and um, I'm so sorry. Oh, please don't apologize. <laughs> and we've all come to that point of actually the second it got easier was surprise surprise mm. the minute that we relaxed mm. and I wonder if that's how it felt for you too <coughs> yes sorry. just I choke on my water <laughs> oh my god that was a really bad choke on the water sorry <laughs> you're forgiven are you okay I'm all good we're back in the room okay so I completely agree with them. that was such a nice analogy as well and I just completely ruined it with my coughing fit um, oh I thought I was making you laugh by saying the word clench. no some people could be triggered by that no word. no no I love it and having done lots of work on my pelvic floor recently in terms of <laughs> oh yes yes with going in terms of talking about that um I love the word clenching. In fact, it's probably one of my favourite words to use with my clients. So don't worry. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think all of us in some way are trying to... Because I think it's part of life. You feel as though you have to... This is why I was telling you about that book by Holly Bourne, which... Mm. So for everyone that's listening, before we started, I was telling um, Emma about this book that I read while I was away, and it's called How Do You Like Me Now by Holly Bourne. Link will be in the show notes. Please do, because it's amazing. <laughs> but basically, this woman is, ba- is describing how I think the majority of us feel, which is that she felt like she had to project this image of having her shit together because she was, she'd gone through her 20s, she'd had her wild years, and then she was like, right, I've got the job, I've got the boyfriend, I've got the friends that are all having babies, mm. I've got the career, I need to look like I've got my shit together. But I really don't. And I think we all feel as though we're on this, especially as women, this timeline of like Mm. tick checklists and okay, get into uni and then you have to do this and then you have to do that. And like, you all have to follow the same narrative because my God, if you deviate from that, oh, well, you must not be successful then. Or if you don't do X, Y, or Z, oh God, well, you must be unhappy then or you must be lesser than because Mm. you don't have X, Y, or Z. And it's just such bullshit. Mm. (laughs) It really is. And the more that I realise that, the more I I lose that that need to clench because I'm like, who am I trying to, who am I trying to impress? Mm. You know, am I living a fake life so that everyone else around me validates my success? Or am I just doing this for myself? And the majority of the time, a lot of us do these things because we're just like, I want everyone else to know how happy I am, how successful I am, and how great I am at all the things that I'm doing. Mm. Whereas like, if you stop spinning on the hamster wheel and you get off and you're like, okay, what are the things that make me happy? Is my job making me happy? Is my relationship making me happy? regardless of what anyone else thinks you've got to put yourself first and be like what do I actually want Mm. (laughs) because I think and this is another thing that's wrong with you know we've talked about all the bad things about social media I do love it by Mm. the way but another bad thing about social media is again this comparison thing of she's had a baby they've just got married they're doing this they're doing that they just got promoted Mm. and if you're not on that trajectory it's like oh god I must have failed like absolutely not I couldn't think of anything more crazy than the idea that we all have to achieve something by the certain age mm. and if you're a woman and you're 32 and you're not married with kids like you're somehow lesser than bullshit like I just it infuriates me and that's why I love this book because I just thought finally I feel like someone's speaking to what I've been feeling which is like I how do I say this I I need to own the fact that, like, I don't really know what the hell I'm doing and more because 
I think everyone looks at me as being like super successful and you know you've achieved so much and you're only 26 and Mm -hmm. you're in a happy relationship and all that and like yes I am so privileged and I and I cannot deny that but also like I don't, I don't know what I'm doing just as much as the next person doesn't. I'm just like fumbling my way through life and like trying to stay afloat, like I said at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I might have achieved certain things in about, but by a certain age, but I also might not. I don't know what I want or, you know, whether I want kids or not or whether I want to, you know, stay in this industry for forever or not. I don't know. And yeah, I, I've, I've removed myself from that metaphorical timeline in my head and I'm trying to make sure that like all of the life decisions that I now make are because they're genuinely making me happy Mm. not because I feel as though I'm trying to keep up with what everyone else around is doing around me when you say said a minute ago about um yes I might have achieved a lot Mm. you're only 26 you've achieved a lot do you give yourself credit for the fact that that took hard work being savvy Mm. learning on a very steep learning curve Mm. because no one shows you how to monetize social media to gain a following on social media it's not handed to you Mm. are you are you able to give yourself the credit for that yeah I am to a certain extent but I also just think for the most part I was in the right place at the right time and I think that is sometimes no and and don't get me wrong I have worked hard and I I I do appreciate that what I've done is is a is a great thing um but I think to a certain extent I was in the right place at the right time and I'm okay with that you know like actually the challenge now for me is a lot greater Mm. because it's like how do I maintain this yeah because I had this huge upward trajectory and then suddenly it does plateau and you're like okay what next Mm. what do I do now because you have to I guess find your thing and find your find your vibe and Instagram has evolved so much and whatever so I think actually I was the easy years for me were those first few years because things were just happening left right and Mm -hmm. center and it was just like trying to stay afloat yeah now I'm like I can get my teeth into my job Mm -hmm. I can start exploring different ideas and concepts and projects and do things that I really care about because I have time to do it. Um, so I actually think n- now I find it more challenging than I ever did, um, but in a good way. I think it, the way you just described it actually made me think of, yes, you, you came into it at a time when it was perhaps easier mm. than it is now mm. to build a huge following mm-hmm. and to be noticed. So it's almost like you had this really steep trajectory, which I'm thinking of as a takeoff. Yeah. And actually now what you're at is your cruising altitude. So like you're you're good you're up there and now it's a case of you can you know set the panel set the controls to kind of do a bit of the flying yeah. for you and you can look around and see what you want to exactly what to do and just hope that there's no awful turbulence along the way <laughs> well well that's the thing I think there has to be a bit of turbulence and yeah. every time I'm having I don't know if you do this but every time I'm having a weird period with work mm. and it's not going the way that I want it to mm. or I feel like why is everything so difficult mm. I think this is because in three weeks time it'll be so easy mm. because you'll have navigated this yeah yeah and I think I think all right I I wish I felt like that at the time sometimes I'm like everything's going wrong and my manager or my manager will be like we need a meeting I'm really failing I'm not doing my job right the amount of times I've messaged her and been like 
should I quit? (laughs) And she's like, no, Alice. Um, But yes, I think you're right. A little bit of turbulence is great motivation to Mm. move forward positively. Definitely. Just to sort of, yeah, what's the, uh, adjust your course. Yeah. If it needs, if need be mm, take yeah. it off cruise control exactly and or autopilot whatever it might be now you did talk about podcasting and we are doing a podcast but it would be remiss of me <laughs> not to talk to you about your podcast yes so was that the reason why you decided to start one it's called give me strength yes um I think to be honest I've just developed such an interest in in women that have a really interesting relationship with exercise that it kind of felt like the natural progression to mm. be able to make that into a podcast um I I felt very passionate about doing it and it was such a kind of, it was like my baby. It was the first thing where I felt really, truly mm. true ownership of it. Um, and I loved it. And so, yeah, we're just in the, in the plannings of series two now, which How is many so exciting. How many episodes were there in series one? We did 10 in series one. And you spoke to some formidable women. Yeah, it was amazing, honestly. And it's crazy as well because I think some of the people that I interviewed, to my favourite, sorry, were the unknown people mm. so I say unknown I mean they're known but like they're not huge mm. like obviously like Dame Kelly Holmes Jess Ennis those mm. kind of people they are incredible and I'm not saying that they're not because they really are but a lot of their story is known mm. whereas for me the the most amazing people were like Sophie Butler and Martine Wright um, are two of my favorite episodes who are people that I don't think many people have heard of but who have the most amazing stories where you're just like on the edge of your seat thinking how are you still Mm. sat here today you know anyone else that I know would have given up a long time ago and you are sat there beaming smiling in front of me just being the most amazing energy and I just thought to myself god like you are incredible both of them um so yeah having the the opportunity to do that was was a real um was a real high point I don't know about you, but I think, I believe everyone has a story. Mm. I think everybody absolutely has a story. And that's Mm. why I think podcasting is so great. And as much as I would love to get Oprah and Russell Brand (laughs) and people on the show, sometimes the people that surprise you or that you take a huge amount away from are the people, like you say, whose stories you might not have heard Mm. before, Mm. um, who are maybe a little bit more real than Mm. Oprah. Oprah's real. Oprah is real, people. But what I mean is... the lessons that she learns in life aren't lessons I'm going to I think it's just more relatable isn't Mm, it yeah yeah I think and even when someone's gone through something as awful as like Martine Wright she was in the 7-7 bombings and she lost both her legs above the knee you know even when something as awful as that has happened she's weirdly able to make it a lot of what she's learned as a result of that quite relatable Mm. you know I read her book before I met her and I took a lot of stuff from that Mm. about mindset about how she remains positive about how she dealt with a lot of it um relationships all that kind of stuff and I I think that's that's why those people are sometimes better is Mm. that there there is still stuff that you can relate to them on a level with you um talked about being positive and you also talked about having quite a busy mind Mm. and Whenever I have engaged with you online and now in person, mm. you uh, are very you have a very sunny disposition. It Thank seems you. very positive, <laughs> but you've alluded to the fact that internally it can sometimes get a bit. Um, mm. There can be some dark clouds, mm. and I wonder whether um, worrying is because it, it is for me. And again, I'm projecting onto you here. Mm, worrying is like safeguarding you 
because you think, well, if I worry about this, then if it happens, I will have already kind of halfway sorted mm. it. Mm. Is it a little bit like that? Yeah. Troubleshooting? Yeah, I'm... I think, so interestingly, like, I think me and my brother have both developed, and less him so now, but developed this, like, worry gene. I don't know what to call it. But I was such a nervous um, person, I I guess, when I was growing up. And I used to panic about a lot of stuff, silly stuff, um, and was always outwardly confident but inwardly very very shy mm. i think that's the other thing that i do like it i'm i would say now typical actress yeah <laughs> completely because i would say now if someone said to me are you confident or are you shy i'd say i'm desperately shy but i'm very very good at faking confidence you're an introverted extrovert <laughs> yeah i really am and um worrying is part of my complex that's you know i i for example one of my biggest things I'm weirdly OCD about being late. I cannot be late for anything. I panic about being late for things. And I feel like almost physically sick if I'm like late for something, Mm. which is just crazy because like sometimes it cannot be helped. But for me, I have to be on time for stuff. Even if it's most simple things like meeting a friend, I'm like, I'll get there 10 minutes early so Mm. that it gives me a buffer. Can I ask you a question? Because I have the same thing and I wonder... Are you worried about getting in trouble? Because that's what it is for me. I've kind of really drilled down into it. What oh, am I yeah. worried about? Is someone being cross with me? Yeah, someone being cross with me. Or just like, and, and if I if I question it, because like one of the best things that someone has ever taught me and what I try and practice with myself is that like you are not your thoughts. Mm. That your thoughts are an internal dialogue that's completely separate to who you are as a person. And to question and to criticise your thoughts more so objectifying them and saying, well, why are you thinking that? Mm. Why are you worried about being late? What's the worst thing that can happen? And questioning it almost makes it seem like I'm questioning that voice in my head rather than accepting that to be true. Um, so I have tried to do that a couple of times. But even so, the answer is generally, well, someone will be annoyed at me. Mm-hmm. Um, and as anyone that knows me well can attest to as well, I, um, I panic about getting into trouble with anything. Mm-hmm. Anything. You know, it's like, oh, God, what will they think of me? What will he think of me? Like, if I do this, did they like me? You know, all this kind of stuff. It's it's all about it's all about being liked, mm. and it's all about people-pleasing, basically. If I had to, to please. Yeah, if I had, it, if I had to dr- drill it down to two things, it's I'm desperate to be liked by everyone, and I'm desperate to please everyone. And so... Um, and that's why I find people like Carolyn Hyron so refreshing. So I'm like, you're doing everything that I kind of wish I could do, but I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline, and I think we talked about this beforehand, mm. she does not care. She's no. like, if you like her, great. If you mm. don't, great. Mm. But th- yeah, that's why I adore her and I and I get a lot a lot from her page. But um, yeah, I think that that's what mine is about. And like, yeah, I agree with you. A lot of it is like, oh God, I'm going to get in trouble. So um, you've come to a place where you're happy with yourself physically mm. you've talked about having the the um sort of transformational journey both in your head and physically mm. do you feel like you're getting there emotionally as well yeah but I think it's always a journey mm. to use a really cringy word I'm so sorry <laughs> no, but you said earlier about um progress not being linear yeah and so I think it's the same with any of these completely and I don't think you ever arrive at like a successful happy place Mm. I think we in our heads have this kind of ideal of a destination where you get to where Mm. it's like 
I've arrived, everything is wonderful, I'll never have to worry again. And like life just doesn't happen like that. It's constantly throwing shit at you that you have to deal with. And that's difficult sometimes. And you will have times mm. where you feel awful and your mental health is compromised. That's yeah. life. But it's how you deal with it that's the, the most important thing. It's not it's never a bad thing to suffer from mental health issues ever, mm. no matter how small or big. It's a fact, it's, it's, it's life, it happens. Mm. And sometimes it affects people worse than others, but it does. Um, the, the problem arises when you're not able to deal with those issues and or thinking that you can handle it yourself. And the biggest and best thing that I've ever done is learning to reach for help when you need it. Mm. Because that, there is so much help out there. It's just understanding that you are worthy of help. Is that with friends and family or do you mean like a therapist? Or? Yeah, various. So I've mm. seen a therapist. I have um, done a lot of things. I have talked to friends, talked to people that are like kind of friends, but also like people that you can just a little bit far, further removed mm. so that you can talk to them a lot more about yeah, stuff. Because yeah. sometimes it is hard to talk about really personal stuff with people that are very close to you. Mm. Um, and even little things like just taking myself away for a few days. Like if I just need quiet and I need headspace, like that's really mm. important. And for me, it was understanding that I was worthy of help because I mm. think a lot of us think our problems aren't that bad and we'll tell ourselves that our problems aren't that bad. So we're not actually worthy of, of yeah. seeing a therapist or getting help or going to our GP about it. Um, whereas for me, it was like, that I constantly told myself that to the point that I was like, actually, I'm really not coping here. Things are really, really bad and I actually desperately need help. Um, rather than, you know, catching it in the first instance, mm -hmm. I let it get pretty bad before I actually reached out. But now I realise that that was wrong. And obviously, when you speak to a therapist or anyone, anything like that, like, you still feel quite silly, I think. And I think I did. Because I was like, oh, shit, like, I'm sat here in front of this woman. I've paid her money, and I don't actually think my problems are that bad, and I feel like running back out of the room. <laughs> but the more you sit there... Actually, Dolly Alderton wrote about it in her book, Everything I Know About Love, um, her experience with a therapist, and it sounded exactly like mine, which is you sort of sit there and you're like, yeah, I really shouldn't be here. Like, my problems aren't that bad, and what am I doing here, and whatever. And slowly, slowly, slowly... I mean, they keep their cards so close to their chest, but you just start talking and then mm. you might say a bit more and the next week you might say a little bit more and then you might actually say something and then you're like, oh, that's touched a nerve. I might talk a bit about that. <laughs> and then suddenly, before you even realise it, you are like floodgates open. I'm just mm. going to talk about everything. Oh, well, that's how it happened for me anyway. I know that won't happen for everyone, but that's how it was for me. And it was like, I'm just going to tell everything because I just feel like I've got all of this stuff that I just need to get off my chest. Mm. I don't really care if it's that bad or not. It's bad to me. And so, yeah. That's 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 why I think in terms of um I forgot where I even went with this conversation. As you can tell, I probably go off on a lot of tangents. <laughs> but um yeah, I did get help from from various yeah. different sources. Therapy, I think therapy is really useful. I've done it, I've talked about mm. it on this podcast before. I think you um the idea that your brain can process and file mm. every single thought and feeling in a way that is logical without any assistance. It would be like me saying, I'm going to build muscle by going to the gym <laughs> yeah. and then I wouldn't but I don't know if I'm using weights it's mm. like a therapist is like you going around and saying this is how you work this muscle mm. this is how you use mm. this machine this is what this yeah that's a really good analogy analogy actually 
very topical. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I think we need to give our physical health and mental health absolutely a similar or same. Absolutely. Do you feel like that's what you do as a PT? Is that as much as you do the physical, it's also the emotional and the mental? Yes, I think so. I think more and more so now as well as I appreciate the weight of both of those things and the impact of both those things and how there's so much synergy between the two as mm-hmm. well. Um, so success in the gym, I think, is 50% mental. I think it's about how you feel about yourself, how you feel about your life, whatever, what's going on in your head. Have you slept well? Are you calm? Mm -hmm. Are you stressed? Are you anxious? Whatever. All of those things impact the exercise. The exercise part is actually quite simple. Mm -hmm. You know, like you don't have to be doing crazy exercises to notice change in your physical composition. Um, It can be really, really simple and you can have a massive difference. It's more how consistent are you with it? And how do you feel about it? And where are you mentally? I think, and all the kind of other behaviours that go around it that are really key in in making change. This has been so much fun. <laughs> Thank this you. This has been so. Apart from the fact that I'm like overheating, right? It's no, me ridiculously too. warm in my flat. The I'm back of my shirt so is entirely <laughs> saturated. I might have to stand next to a fan. Um, it was really interesting to talk to you. Good. Genuinely, I like I said, I do consume your social media. Thank I have you. loads of your videos saved. It's really, really nice to have now spent time with you. And Thank found you that so You're much. equally as awesome in the flesh. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, it's been a joy. The links to everything, all the books you clearly read as <laughs> much as I do, will be in the show notes and obviously the links to all of Alice's social media feeds. But thank you so much. Thank you. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I do hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you'd like to get in touch with me, all you have to do is email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or you can slide into my DMs on Instagram and Twitter where I am at Emma Guns. If you want to chat to me and thousands of other listeners of this podcast, and there are thousands of us in the Facebook group, then all you have to do is go to the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. Click the link to join the Facebook group answer the questions agree to the forum rules and you'll be welcomed in with open arms and there are so many conversations going on in there right now that um i really want you to be a part of them so please don't be shy come along and join us thank you so much for listening i will see you on the next one when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.